Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 19, and we're reviewing part two, Battle Tendency, A Race Toward the Brink. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. With this episode, Von Stroheim is officially back, baby. And he's um, upgraded and full of metal. Licensed to kill. <laughs> yeah, I know I mentioned in the previous episode that I didn't really remember much of what happened in this episode. And I think the reason why is because it's kind of a transitional episode. Like, I like how you're using my term. I know, now. I'm stealing that from you. I'm going to wow. borrow that for this. I'm going to uh... trademark that <laughs> and make you pay every time you say it. <laughs> but it, I think it is because we have like the first half dedicated to cars mm-hmm. and him trying to get the redstone of Aja. And then the second half is like an intro to what's supposed to happen at the hotel. I don't know. It's... It's kind of like a hodgepodge episode, so I think that's why it doesn't stick out to me as much as some of these other part two episodes. I will say this is probably one of the most space and physics defying episodes of part two yet, oh, yeah. just with the the first part, and I'm sure we'll talk loads about the ridiculousness or I guess the bizarreness of that <laughs> whole sequence. Um, but yeah, I have to agree, like this was a very much a transitional episode. Um, with, again, the, the cliff sequence and this prelude to the Haunted Hotel showdown, which I think feels oddly placed, but I can I understand it because it just sets up for what I believe is a flashback episode with the subsequent episode and then the eventual showdown within the hotel itself. Um, but yeah, I am glad to see Stroheim back in the game. He does get a little bit of redemption against his superhuman oppressors in the Pillarman here. But it's pretty short-lived, so. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. We'll definitely talk about that because, I don't know, I have some like mixed feelings about this episode. But before we get into the discussion, we want to give a huge shout-out to our patron, Kevin K. Round of applause, Ooh. if you can hear this. <laughs> Thank you so much for supporting the Strictly series of podcasts and everything that we do here and helping us continue to make anime content and share our love of anime with the community. Um, If you'd like to support the show and get access to things like mini episodes and bonus content, our show schedules, um, submit questions for us to answer on our podcast and in our patron-only Q&A, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series. And one more fun thing that we recently did, we celebrated your birthday. Yeah. Happy, I guess at this point, (laughs) belated birthday as of this recording, but yes, happy happy birthday. Yeah, 29 years of existential crisis on this <laughs> on this earth but thank you it's the last year before you hit the uh the fun or the dreaded 30 depending on how you look at it <laughs> looking forward to it <laughs> but in celebration of your birthday um we recently did a giveaway on our instagram page where we gave away a 12-month premium subscription to crunchyroll Damn. to one of our lucky listeners and now they get to watch all the anime they want for an entire year so if you're not following us already, you should because we post a variety of anime content and we'll occasionally hold special giveaways, this being the first one, full transparency. Um, but we're on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series. And you can leave Carl a little happy birthday note. Please. I need all the happy birthday notes I can get. <laughs> <laughs> happy 29. Thank you. And yeah, look forward to a lot of giveaways. Who knows? Maybe we'll venture into figures or body pillows or 
<laughs> or those mouse pads that have like bath water <laughs> bath water <laughs> like gamer girl bath water no i was saying like the the mouse pads that have like the little bumps on them that are supposed to be either like the boobs or, or the butt the butt mm-hmm. of a an anime character my favorite being the Todoroki one where he's like turned around and it's his big old thick ass and then you mm-hmm. just lay your wrist on there for some uh carpal tunnel avoidance and then you you, you game hard on Todoroki's back you know, I, <laughs> so bad <laughs> i'm actually considering getting one of those for for my own uh war computer for your just, you know at like, home war computer <laughs> yeah, right yeah. you're gonna not, bring that to the, the office no no but it would be funny if like uh, we had to take a photo of our office setup at home, and then someone like, sees see. that. <laughs> they like super zoom in. They're like, "Uh, that looks interesting mm-hmm. over there." <laughs> well, I guess that gives us an idea for a giveaway. Well, there you go. I'll I'll make sure to write that down as a potential uh, future birthday gift for you: the Todoroki oh, thick ass <laughs> mouse pad. <laughs> but all right, let's get into the actual episode. So we've shared a little bit already about um, some initial thoughts about the episode. Um, anything else you want to mention before we really dive into the, the nitty gritty? I think just that this episode has one of my most favorite memes of part two, but I'm sure you'll get into that in the meme rundown. I so. have a couple of memes, actually. <laughs> this one was um, chocked full of them, especially compared to some of the previous episodes. Good thing, because spoiler alert, my music reference section is going to be another disappointment. It's going to be a vast wasteland. Spoilers. Spoilers <laughs> abound. But let's go ahead and jump right into the summary and discussion for part two, episode 10, A Race Toward the Brink. With his mechanically modified body, Metal Gear Stroheim riddles Cars' body with bullet holes using his gutling gun, but the Pillarman uses his brilliant boner blade to quickly fend off the attack and cut Stroheim's life into pieces. This is his last resort. Kars rips the super hot fire Aja from Metal Gear Stroheim's pocket, but the now good Nazi startles him with his Death Star laser eye, sending the stone sliding towards a cliff. Thus begins a time and space bending chase sequence wherein Josephu retrieves the stone, but Kars pulls him down the cliff in retaliation for ACDC's demise. The jockey Joestar, however, uses the super hot fire Aja as a shield against the Pillarman's final smash and is pulled to safety via Ropesicle with the help of Shiza. The next day, as Cars flees to his hideout in Swiss Hotel San Moritz, Josephu and Shiza clash over their next move against those pesky Pillarmans. Once the latter decides to go solo to the haunted hotel in a fit of rage and angst, Lisa Lisa tasks Messina to keep a tail on Shizarina. And now onto our next segment of the show, Is That a Music Reference, where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music. But once again, I got nothing. I I came up with these stupid suggestions for what they could have used as a music reference in this episode. Like the cliffside, they ran, they ran so far away. (laughs) Um, The icicle rope, they could have called it ice ice baby. Oh, that that comes up in part three. Yeah, um, in a different way though. Yeah. you know, since they're in Switzerland, they could have inserted a reference to Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin, Land of the Ice and Snow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. The last thing I have is Stroheim's Death Star Laser Eyes move. They could have called Dark Side of the Moon. Oh. But, you know, none of these suggestions will ever come to fruition. These are just 
headcanon in my own head. Just write a strongly worded letter to Araki and say, please go back and change the canon of this yeah, part of JoJo <laughs> part two and add in at least one or two of these references. Or you know what? Maybe he'll use it in his upcoming part, which is what? Part nine now? Yeah. Jojolian recently finished after a decade or so mm-hmm. of him uh, writing that manga. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's great because that just means from an anime perspective, we have more anime potential. Um, obviously, we're, we're still at part six, but... I think we won't have to wait as long to reach Jodolian because that's one of the things I was worried about is like, are we eventually going to catch up to part eight, but we can't actually get to see it from the anime side of things because it's still being written. But mm. That's no longer a problem. Yeah. But then that, on the flip side, it does mean that we're going to have to wait a really fucking long time for part nine. If part nine happens um, to be finished. At least when it, uh, part eight comes out in anime form, we'll probably have like five years to watch that whole, <laughs> that whole arc. <laughs> And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a plethora, or at least a plethora compared to some of the the recent episodes. So in chronological order, the first one we have, which I believe is your favorite that you mentioned, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best to imitate this. Please don't judge me. (laughs) I'm laughing. It's going to be so hard to do this with a straight face. Every garden, I'm nervous. (laughs) German engineering is the greatest in the world by the one and only Rudolf 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 von Stroheim, not Rudolf, like I always want to say, Rudolf von Stroheim. Um, This one, it's kind of hard to use it sometimes depending on the situation. Like most of the time, it's like some news article about Germany doing something crazy and then someone slaps the German engineering is the greatest in the world line right below it. But I do I do categorize this as one of those pictures you can hear because as soon as I see the screenshot, I can immediately hear him saying Bakamonoga. It's uh, just the delivery of the line too is just what makes this this meme so great. And <laughs> obviously it's it's a questionable scene because um Stroheim is obviously doing the Nazi saluting it. Yeah, that's but, true. <laughs> but like, other than that, again, I just love this meme so much because it's just Stroheim being Stroheim. The next meme we have is from Cars, and it's when he grabs the redstone of Asia from Stroheim and says, "I've waited for no five thousand years for this." And this one is is pretty uh, well known because oftentimes you see it slapped onto something that you know, someone's been waiting to achieve for a long time. Or when part six got announced, let me tell you how many of these <laughs> oh fucking memes God. popped up on <laughs> our shit post crusaders. Cause someone just put the announcement, you know, part six confirmed for Jojo and then it's cars. I've waited for no 5,000 years for this. And honestly, <laughs> that's what it feels like. This was a long wait compared to some of the other waits that we had in the Jojo anime. I feel like this is the anime equivalent of the, the Titanic meme where it's, oh, yeah. it's been 84 years. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Those are uh, same vibes. Mm-hmm. The last one I have is, I don't know if you'd really classify it as a meme. It's more just like a quotable moment, but I'll, for the sake of calling it out, I'll, I'll classify it as a meme. Um, and it's when Joseph gets rescued by Caesar using the icicle rope. And he says, nice, nice, very nice to see the chan. Oh, wait, very. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to do the tongue roll. Yeah, I got to do the tongue roll. 
Yes. Very nice to see Sachan. I don't know. Like, I don't think it's it's super uh, memeable. Maybe if, like, there's a Caesar moment and then you get, like, that reaction from Joseph. But oftentimes it's just more of a, a quote that comes from this part. I know we would always quote it a lot, like, back when we were watching part two. Um, just saying it in normal conversation, which I, I guess we've we've already been doing with several different JoJo quotes. Um, just my quick two cents. Obviously, we're watching this subtitled, but it's funny reading the um, English subtitle for this scene. It says, very nice Cesarino. Yeah. <laughs> which just reminds me of like Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. Because he says like, neighborino. And it's like, very nice Cesarino. Maybe they chose not to use Chan because that's a, obviously a Japanese term. Um, mm. And technically, neither of them are Japanese. Also, and they're not in Japan. So it'd be very random for an Englishman who lives in America and a an Italian guy who are both hanging out in Switzerland to use Chan after one of their names. Yeah, and I guess... It makes sense within the context of that subtitle because Caesar obviously is Italian and you use that suffix "ino" as like an endearing term in the Italian language. But oh, again, the first thing that came to my mind is just Ned Flanders. So yeah, those are the memes that we have for this episode. As always, if we missed any memes, please don't hesitate to reach out to us because we want to pay homage to every single one from every single episode, if that's even possible. <laughs> so now looking at the beginning of this episode, we have the the reveal, I guess the, the second reveal of Stroheim. He's back and Joseph comments that he's not exactly sure if he's happy that Stroheim is back. I found this interesting because, um, you know, he, he shed a tear for Stroheim when he supposedly died in the fight against Santana. But Joseph does elaborate with an inner monologue that says he's not exactly a bad guy. He's just more irritating and arrogant. But he's also kind of happy that the guy's okay. So and Also, he's a Nazi. That too, <laughs> yes. And now he's like mostly machine and not a lot of man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it, it was just interesting to, to hear Joseph not fully be able to commit Stroheim as like a bad guy in his mind. He still sees the good in him and he's still secretly happy he's back. Yeah. As uh, as are we all. <laughs> yes. Because I've, I've said before that Stroheim's one of my favorite characters in part two. I also just love how Joseph barges in at the beginning and says that he's starving. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like his, his um, nutrition intake is more important than whatever murder has happened in this room until he notices that cars is... He doesn't even comment on all the dead guys in the room. They oh, don't even, yeah. Are they even animated in a lot of these scenes? Like, I, I don't notice them in the background. Maybe they mm. are there, and I just, it went over my head. No, yeah, I didn't notice them either. Um, and another thing, just a quick side, is I think later it shows, like, uh, Caesar, Lisa Lisa, and Messina, they're sitting and having tea in another room, but they only react once, I think, they hear the machine guns from Stroheim, like, shooting at cars. Like, they didn't hear any of the other stuff leading up to that. Because, like, Strohan was screaming at the top of his lungs, like, the Brachamonogar or whatever. Yeah. How can you not hear Strohan screaming like that? That's crazy. And this Mm -hmm. is, like, some sort of old-ass building. Yeah, that was a bit interesting. I feel like, overall, Caesar, uh, Lisa Lisa, and what's his name? Messina? Yeah. I feel like they they could have been more proactive in this episode, but it's Mm -hmm. fine. You got to let Joseph shine. Yeah. I did take note that Wamu is a 
supposedly in Greece. Like Cars says that Wamu's not here to fight you because he's in Greece right now doing whatever the fuck he's doing over there. And I'm like, is he though? Because in the yeah. next episode, he's already in the hotel. And I don't know how much time has passed between this fight to when they get to whatever part of Switzerland they're in, you know, in front of the, the San, San Moritz, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, I'm like, how the fuck did he get from wherever, from Greece to, to this hotel? Or was he never there to begin with? Was Cars just bluffing? Yeah, I don't know if it was just meant to throw them off the scent or if Cars did send Wamu to Greece so, just so they could spread out and finding the stone. Um, and then once Cars had the stone delivered to San Moritz, that's when he told Wamu just just come on back. And then that's what happens with the showdown between him and Caesar later on. Another thing that was interesting about uh, Cars and his initial conversation with Joseph in this uh, cabin room is like Joseph no- notices that um, Cars is glaring at him because he knows that he defeated ACDC. And I think Cars goes into a speech where he's he vows to kill Joseph. Um, in retaliation and joseph asks cars do you speak those words as a warrior or are you seeking revenge which is interesting to note now because later on we see more of joseph starting to respect like respecting those who live by this sort of strict not strict but like this warrior code of respect instead of fighting for like their own selfish interests um so kind of juxtaposing that question with what we see later on in this part. I just thought it was interesting that they brought it up at this point. Yeah, that is interesting. And that that certainly will play into his battle with Wamu and how that all pans out. And it's just funny to know that in the middle of them having this um, semi-philosophical conversation, Strawheim's just standing there like, yo, pay attention to me, man. I'm supposed to be your your opponent, Mm -hmm. your final opponent. And he gets pissed that Cars isn't paying attention to him. And he, like, Cars has this metal arm blade out, right, that they figure out is actually part of his body. It's his bone um, Mm -hmm. with, like, little, it's, like, almost like a, what do you call it? Protrusion? No. uh, Okay, wait, I'm blanking. Um like a, uh, a chainsaw oh yeah yeah. it's yeah. like a little chainsaw with like mini blades on it moving at the speed of light and you can't even see them um anyway this ridiculous arm blade that he has and it's supposed to be intimidating and stroheim just bends his mechanical arm and grabs cars's hand i guess and just like pinches the shit out of it and i'm like what a power move He's really flexing his mechanical body all over cars. And didn't he like he reached over his head? Or yeah, something? He, he reached like behind him and like what the would seemingly be a dislocated shoulder move, mm-hmm. and then grabbed his hand. Which, by the way, unless his arm is extending like some sort of Inspector Gadget shit, he wouldn't actually be able to reach like that. I'm I'm mm-hmm. moving my hand right now, and there's no way I could have reached someone else's hand in front of me so yeah he didn't need to do any of that but i think he's just pissed that no one's paying attention to him and his amazing german engineering so he's got to you know have this insane power move yeah i just love that he still has that quality of you know like the nazis wanting to show their power and their might or again him being the embodiment of (laughs) german intellect but it's ironic because like as much as he shows like he shows his machine gun torso or whatever and it looks like he's ripping cars to shreds, but then cars takes out this blade and he decimates him like in less than a minute. It's like so much for, for German engineering, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Stroheim talks big all the time, which is part of the, the annoyance that Joseph has with him. He's like, this guy's pompous. He's arrogant. 
And here, like, he just gets destroyed immediately. Like, mm-hmm. n- no competition whatsoever. And it's also interesting because Messina, at the end of the episode, says, you know, I think he calls him, like, German German, German soldier. soldier yeah. yeah. He's like, if you can set your pride aside, we'd be willing to work with you. The fact that he has to call that out and say, you got to chill your boner. And if you do, we'll go ahead and work with you and, and try to defeat cars together. I thought was another interesting nod to Stroheim's personality. Yeah, I think Stroheim just scoffs at him. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> give like a straight answer. Um, but with this part in particular where um, Stroheim is getting ripped to bits, I think the more subtle context is again showing that uh, these pillar men, no matter what you throw up against them, whether it be your own strength or even German engineering, like they will still find a way to overpower you just because of their again superhuman and I guess supernatural abilities. And as ridiculous as Stroheim is, he's always a pleasure to watch on screen. And despite him being, you know, a fucking Nazi, um, he's always a pleasure to watch on screen because his voice actor gives yet another great yes. performance with his like shrieking yells. I don't even know what you call that. Or even like there are some points where there's a crack in his voice. Yeah. Which, <laughs> it just enhances enhances the performance a lot more like i'm not a voice actor but i can only imagine the intensity behind his voice acting that he would need in order to purposely crack his voice it's kind of mm-hmm. like bakugo's voice actor in some of like the the more emotional scenes for bakugo and he'll like intentionally crack his voice that's got to be difficult i imagine yeah i mean there's a way to i guess control that but yeah it still takes a lot out of you to to give that much emotion well, props to his voice actor. We'll continue to give him props to every time he has a great performance in one of these episodes. We got to call it out. So we learned that Cars controls light. Um, and before that, we learned that ACDC controls fire. And Wamu, I think. Controls wind. Yeah. Um, interesting that they each have an element that they handle. I don't know if Santana had an element. I don't think he did, right? Mm, or if he no. did, we didn't know enough. Of, or we didn't see him enough to, to figure it out. Yeah, I don't think there was anything significant with his power it's just that he was he was strong the strong he was the um, strong <laughs> and thinking about like cars uh acdc and wamu it's almost like a earth wind and fire i was gonna say right? the same thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> i never noticed uh, is that like the meta reference with these pillar men i guess it'd be light wind and fire at that point sky wind oh, and fire yeah. uh, it's close though maybe maybe santana was supposed to be earth i was just thinking earth as like the blade representing earthly materials but i forgot like there's a light component to it yeah i I don't know well it's it's close enough i'm I'm fine with that reference (laughs) (laughs) but i i think it's interesting that stroheim somehow deduces um as i mentioned earlier that cars blade is made of hardened skin and bones and then that's when the narrator the narrator jumps in and tells us that the blade is actually like a chainsaw moving at super light speed so it shears through anything i just think these deductions are sometimes so far-fetched that i i I, I'm like slightly pulled out of my immersion. Like how does Stroheim immediately figure that out? I wouldn't. I think if I was fighting like the world's strongest being and in a panic mode, I don't think I'd be able to say, oh, look, your blade is actually made of your bones. Like how the fuck does he know that? Oh, it's easy. German intellect. <laughs> His German engineering eyeball um, is able to uh, compute Yeah, it has like a little heads up display. It shows him the stats of his enemy. <laughs> But in this part, Stroheim comments about Santana and how 
Cars differs from Santana. And Cars mentions that Santana was an immature child, a guard dog for them. But that's not what I'm focusing on here. My question is, how the fuck did Cars know that they named him Santana? Because mm. that's the name that Stroheim gave him. That's not his, what I assume to be, actual name. So how does Cars know that? Kind of similar to how the fuck does Cars know that ACDC got killed by Joseph? I think I mentioned this in the last episode. I just like to think they're all-knowing, omniscient beings who just know what's going on without <laughs> really having seen or witnessed it. They all got this uh, this telepathic signal that Santana suddenly got renamed to Santana by some German yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? I don't know. Just That was another oversight or maybe an Iraqi forgot moment um, that I was like, how did they know that they called him Santana? Because that was a nickname Stroheim gave him. Mm. Another question I had is Cars grabs the super... What's it called? The Super Asia? <laughs> the Redstone of Asia? Yeah. I, I mean, technically, the stone itself is the Super Asia. Yeah. Um, but he grabs it from Stroheim's pocket, and like he goes on to finish Joseph. But why doesn't he have a stone mask on hand to immediately put the stone to use? Because JoJo logic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a, that is a completely valid question, a very, very good question. And you know what? If Cars had thought about that, because, you know, he's seeking the stone, then the story would have played out very different. Yeah, because they're only seeking the stone, right? They're not looking for any masks, so you would think it's already in their possession. Yeah, like if they're out like looking for the stone itself, you would want to have a mask on hand so that you could just pop that bad boy in. But the one thing that would be missing is sunlight or some sort of light source, UV source, to activate the stone. In but the his blade reflects light. <laughs> True. Where's okay, that blade yes. reflecting light from? <laughs> um, the moon? The universe? Does, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or does it need like sunlight? Is I think it the... needs direct UV lights because okay. not to jump too far ahead in the story, but the reason he becomes the ultimate being is because Stroheim shoots a UV ray at him. So it's not even sunlight itself. It's just a UV ray. UV ray light or uv ray yeah technically but uh yeah jojo logic that's what that is yeah again i don't know i don't remember the rest of part two so i don't know if the stone mask appearing is addressed later but that was a question i had here is like you could just skip skip the rest of part two <laughs> and have this ending here Joseph has one line that kind of made me chuckle a little bit, and that's when he says, talk about an unlucky year. I think um, when the stone starts rolling down the hill, he calls out that like not only does he have a poison ring around his throat still or heart, one of the two, um, he's getting pursued by these bad guys. The stone is, you know, rolling down the fucking hill and Cars wants to kill him. He's just like, talk about an unlucky year for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel that. It's it's one of those moments where you're like, damn, everything just sucks right now. Yeah, what is that called? Um, like Murphy's Law? Anything that can go, go wrong, wrong will, will go, go wrong. wrong. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. <laughs> Poor Joseph. But this cliffside, how fucking long is it <laughs> for them to run like from the cabin all the way to the edge? That was... Well, in the one shot, too, when the stone first starts sliding down the snowbank, it actually looks like it's approaching the edge of the cliff. Like, it's mm -hmm. very, very close. But then they're running for, like, what feels like 10 miles before they actually reach the edge of the cliff and jump off to try and grab the, the stone. So, I don't know. Jo Jojo logic? I'm going to throw a Jojo logic on that one. Yeah. And just the sprint between Joseph and Cars was kind of like um, in Avengers Endgame. Do you remember that scene where captain america oh and... on your left or whatever no all right 
No, not in Endgame. Oh, oh, Infinity wait. War. Where Captain America and Black Panther are sprinting, <laughs> <laughs> and they're both like super intense about it. Yeah, that that's what was happening here. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that being the same moment. I'd like to think that Infinity War was inspired by Jojo Part Two. Well, when they get to the edge of the cliff, I did notice that Cars tries to pull an ACDC on Joseph and predict Joseph's next move, saying, oh, you're going to try to like kick me in the head or something and push me off the cliff and grab the stone for yourself. Mm -hmm. But then Joseph one-ups him anyway by kicking snow in his face instead and using that as kind of his break to not fall off the cliff. And this made me think that Cars is the ultimate enemy for Joseph for two reasons because he's the best of both of ACDC and WAMU. So the first reason is he's got the brains that uh, that ACDC has, because we know that the fight between ACDC and Joseph was just a battle of the big brains. And then two, he's got the brawn that WAMU has, which we'll see more mm-hmm. in the, the upcoming fight against uh, or between WAMU and Joseph. He's the best of both of those worlds, which makes him the ultimate foe against Joseph. Which makes sense because he's the top dog among the pillar men he is anyway. The ultimate being, yeah. <laughs> but it's just funny to see that he's not just really tough. He can actually pull fast ones on Joseph the same way he tries to do to others. And Joseph comments more on that later when they're actually falling down the cliff or when he stops falling down the cliff. Um, and he says... I think it's he's clinging to that icicle. And oh, he, the ice he, And he acknowledges that he takes advantage of his opponent's oversights. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I think I, I thought I wrote the, the quote down. Let me look here. Did I not write the, the quote down? I don't know if I wrote the quote down. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, I thought I did. Well, yeah, you're right. So basically he says, um, yeah, his, his forte is to use his opponent's oversights to his advantage. Oh, here. Joseph comments that taking advantage of his opponent's oversights is his specialty, but Cars never lets his guard down. Your searching for that quote was as long as that running scene. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I found it. It was buried in my notes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, that, that's what he, he got at. And that's just uh, that's just why Cars is the toughest one for Joseph to defeat. And not again, not to get too far ahead in part two, there's arguments that are made that technically Joseph didn't even defeat Cars. Mm-hmm. I'm part of that. Oh, boy. Okay. We'll have to. <laughs> I'm going to make a note of that. We're going to have to battle that out when we get to that part. And just to discuss more about the space and time-defying things of this episode, I think the narrator, once they start falling, I think Joseph mentions like it's the height of like the Empire State Building. It's 175 meters to the bottom or five seconds to impact. But Cars and Joseph have these drawn-out speeches that are going on within these five seconds, right? Oh, yeah, they're definitely falling for way longer than five <laughs> seconds. Like, JoJo logic similar to part one. Is this like Tokiwo Tomare or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what do you think is the more un- unbelievable fall? This one where they're falling down the cliff for quote-unquote five seconds, the-, the height of the Empire State Building, or the fall between Jonathan and Dio from part one where they're falling down the tower in the house and the house is probably maybe like it's a mansion right maybe yeah, like it's not three to five stories right <laughs> yeah. but they're falling for just as long and it's like engulfed in flames which of the two do you think is the more ridiculous fall i'm mean, putting it that way because if this cliffside is the height of the empire state building and the mansion is only three to five stories high like the mansion is obviously the more ridiculous one but my heart says these are both ridiculous. <laughs> I'd have to agree. I think if I had to pick one, it's the part one fall between Jonathan and Dio 
just the whole the whole thing if you look at it full picture to me that's the more unbelievable falling moment but i think it's because there's so much more happening within this short time frame that that also makes this slightly more ridiculous than yeah the mansion because they don't specify in that part one fall how long they're supposed to take or right. how tall the tower is but here like the narrator takes the time to interject in the middle of this this brawl and say it's 175 meters five seconds to impact <laughs> and then after that is like a five minute sequence <laughs> of them talking and attacking each other which it's funny when uh joseph holds up the super hot super the hot super fire hot. Agent, whatever it's called um holds it up in front of him and then that stops cars from using his blade that reminds me of the spongebob episode um where they're stuck on the flying dutchman ship and spongebob takes the flying dutchman sock oh. and then the dutchman's like using fiery snot to like kill him but then he holds up the sock and then he stops yeah <laughs> So who referenced who in that in that scene? My favorite part of that episode, side note, is when um, they have to go through the perfume department. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was just so ridiculous, and obviously it's it's not animated; it's like stock <laughs> footage. But that was a that was a great episode. That was yeah, classic SpongeBob humor. And there's a part five reference in that episode. There is with the fly of despair. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. That, that episode's chock full of JoJo references if you think about it. <laughs> well, in this ridiculous falling scene, at the end of it, Joseph makes a rope with Hamon magnetized icicles, and then Caesar connects to it at the top in order to save him. And Strawheim comments, since when do you two work so well together? <laughs> and I'm just like, the exact question in my mind. I think it's another great moment, as we've shared a couple of times throughout this part two review, that highlights you know while caesar and joseph have their differences when it comes down to it they really do trust each other and they're able to to help each other out hold on hold on hold on how does stroheim even know about this relationship if joseph didn't meet caesar until after mexico because stroheim's a fucking creep and he was having the two of them under surveillance under german surveillance while they're on um oh that's right the whole okay. time where he comments because when they meet up with him at the train they're like how the fuck did you even know that we had the red stone and that all this was happening mm -hmm. he's like we've been surveilling you okay. for the past three <laughs> is it three months or three weeks it's three weeks three weeks yeah and i'm like that's kind of creepy okay that makes i forgot about that I, that makes sense though <laughs> i just thought it was another plot hole <laughs> Well, Caesar follows up by saying that he knew what Joseph wanted to do when he saw his terrible idea of the icicle rope. And then Joseph's like, now you're thinking on my level. And I love this little back and forth because, again, yeah, they're working really well together in this moment. But at the end of the day, they still treat each other like rivals. They know that in the back of their heads, they're good friends and that they're on the same wavelength. Mm -hmm. But they don't like to admit it because they're both stubborn like that. So Caesar says, your idea was shit. And Joseph's like, yeah, but now you're thinking on my level. <laughs> and I love Caesar's reaction after that. Yeah, this is just an extension of them pairing up in the last episode against uh, ACDC, uh, just showing that, again, the more that they have gotten to know each other and trained with each other, again, they are able to sync up pretty well. And as Cars is falling down the cliff, we have probably my favorite moment of this entire the episode. The stupidest fall I've it's, ever seen. Yeah, the whole thing is just crazy. I mean, again, it's supposed to be a five-second fall. Clearly, that didn't happen. But as he's falling, he notices a couple of patches of flowers that he's about to land on. So what does he do? 
He slams his fist into the side of the cliff and ricochets his body like a bullet all over the place. And then as soon as he stands up, he checks to make sure the flower is okay. And he looks straight ahead and has this crazy ass cackle out of nowhere. He just starts <laughs> busting out laughing. And you know what? I kind of get it. I think after having gone through all the shit he just did, maybe he does need to just laugh it off. <laughs> but to me, it's like... It's one of the best moments of part two alongside ACDC's crying moment. I think those mm-hmm. two just have amazing reactions that happen out of nowhere. Yeah, whereas ACDC cries out of nowhere, um, Cars just starts maniacally laughing. I think all that scene <laughs> was missing um, was like a pinball effect <laughs> as soon as, you know, he's ricocheting oh, yeah. <laughs> off the cliff walls. But is there like significance with the daisies? Is it just he wanted to avoid hitting them it does like cars have this huge regard for nature or life like with the puppy i was gonna ask the exact same thing like he saves that dog and was it the previous episode or two episodes ago it was the last episode yeah and he he makes it like very obvious that he goes out of his way to cut the car in half and save the dog and here like he's also going very much out of his way to avoid crushing the flowers that are directly below him but why like mm-hmm. i don't know if they set it up even before or before this episode, or even after this episode, that Cars has a particular um, respect for, like you said, nature, or for maybe non-human life. Yeah. So I, I don't really know why. Maybe it's explained in the manga, but I don't think it's explained in the anime. Or maybe it, it is explained later on. Again, and we just forgot. Yeah, because a lot of part two is not forgettable, but it's been a while since we've seen this. Well, if anyone listening knows why Cars does these things that he does, um, I would love to know. So please reach out to us. Give us the answer to this burning question. Mm -hmm. The episode then has a transition to, I guess, the the main group outside of the abandoned hotel. And it starts off with Joseph teasing the cat with the smoked salmon. Um, And I find it mean, and he knows it's mean. He acknowledges it's mean. But I also find it to be a very him type of moment Mm -hmm. and i i don't really know why he did that i think he comments saying you know i'm just on edge right now so maybe he needs to blow off some steam by messing with someone as he always does but i i kind of wonder too if maybe he doesn't enjoy being around people or things that are arrogant and annoying um and he can't help but want to bring that thing or that person down like a peg or two by by teasing it because i think back to stroheim and he always comments that this guy's annoying this guy's arrogant this guy's pompous but he still has a certain level of respect for stroheim so maybe this cat is another example of that because the cat is pompous as fuck and he's like i don't like you cat i'm gonna knock you down to my level yeah i guess it's almost like a metaphor even with when he first met Caesar, he wanted to shoot him down with like how pompous he was yeah. in his interactions. How flirtatious he was with yeah. girls. <laughs> <laughs> so just... maybe maybe that's why he did what he did. But at least he acknowledges that it's mean because I was like, oh, that's mean. Yeah. that's So that's twice that Joseph acknowledges things that are that he does. Like, again, um, having the advantage over his opponents and just hating arrogance. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as the group's talking, they figure that Cars is already at the abandoned hotel, but they suspect that he's waiting there for Wamu, who they don't realize has already arrived. Obviously, that won't play into anything until the next episode. But um, again, was it part of Cars's plan to throw them off the trail saying he's in Greece, or was he actually in Greece and somehow he already made it back to the abandoned hotel? Mm-hmm. That's the the big question I have, which... 
I don't think we ever get an answer to, but it's just a minor question I have. As the conversation progresses, um, things get a little hot and heavy. A not in dicey. like not in the like, not in the lewd way, I guess, but like in the in the sad way between Joseph and Caesar. And as everyone's kind of talking through the plan that they have, Joseph is the uh, the intuitive one, um, and he he's the only one that realizes that a daytime attack is dangerous. And he you know quotes that that saying of fight when victory is assured because he knows that. Cars has been around for thousands of years, and I'm sure he's been attacked many, many times by his opponents in the daylight, assuming that that'll bring out his weakness, but he knows how to counter that. And Caesar doesn't like that shit. He makes the mistake of making a rash decision, despite Joseph trying to calm him down and, and warn him, because Caesar's so hell-bent on getting revenge for their grandfathers that he can't think rationally. And then Joseph makes the situation worse by asking, who cares about our grandfathers? Who cares about people that died 50 years ago? And then Joseph and Caesar have their first legit argument, their first fight. They start yelling and punching each other. And it's just sad. It's just really sad knowing what we know now, um, especially after Stroheim comments in the earlier scenes that they're starting to work so well together. They trust each other. They have this great back and forth. They're finally overcoming a lot of the the stupid petty stuff that they had in the beginning and it just all goes down the drain in this moment yeah so i have two things about this this exchange um going back a bit it's odd that joseph is the one who disagrees with them going head first into the hotel and wanting them to strategize a bit more because you would expect joseph to be the one who's very on the fly about his decisions and just walks into a situation brazenly. But I think the fact that Joseph himself has faced three pillar men so far, um, he's faced Santana, ACDC and cars. So compared to Caesar, he has more experience with those battles with, with the pillar men that he knows it's not going to be just an easy walk in the park. If they were to walk into the hotel and again, that they, they really do need to strategize instead of just acting upon their emotions, which is what is happening with Caesar. And I think it's, you know, because Caesar has really been on the sidelines um, in these past couple of battles. Like he hasn't been able to face the Pillarman head on as Joseph has that he wants, he wants to get a bit of the blood on his hands as well. Um, so you, I can understand his frustrations, um, when he wants to face cars head on in the hotel. It's just odd that Joseph has this sudden disregard for his family. Now, granted, it's not like his immediate living family, which I think he feels more of a connection to, right? And we've always talked about how Joseph puts his family first, but why would he have a blatant disregard for his own, like, ancestors or his own lineage yeah i think it was the same when they first met each other in italy joseph was like i don't care what happened with our grandfathers and caesar was like well that's why i don't like you because you have no respect for family mm. but i think it's to your point joseph is thinking about the here and now the people who actually were there for him the people who actually raised him he doesn't even comment much about his own father who he never met um and his own mother who he doesn't know he's already met and i think for caesar what we'll learn, of course, in the next episode, I don't want to get too much into it. He did have a relationship with his father to a certain degree, not a very mm. long one because his father disappeared. But knowing what his father did, the self-sacrifice for Caesar, I think that weighs on him very heavily. And I think that's why he 
amplifies his respect and his focus on his family and his lineage. I also think it's tough because Caesar's always been praised as the one who's very talented in Hamon. And then Joseph comes along, who at the time was an amateur, and Caesar felt very confident that his skills were above and beyond. But as Joseph grows and, you know, kind of hones in on his Josar blood, he outpaces Caesar. And Caesar comments on that a couple of times, but it's got to be frustrating to a certain degree, knowing that the Zapelli bloodline always stands second to the Joestar bloodline. Mm -hmm. Even in this case, Caesar was on top and Joseph quickly surpassed him. He tries to be supportive of it, but maybe in this moment, he just has had enough of it. Yeah, I can see that. Um, to that point, it's also strange. I'm sure Caesar, at some point earlier, Caesar acknowledges his his place in like the fate of this whole battle, right? I think it was right before they left for Switzerland. But again, I think it's just his emotions get in the way here. And going back to his, his pompousness, that's what is driving him to make this really poor logical decision to face cars at the hotel head on. Yeah, and even at the end, Lisa Lisa tells Caesar that Joseph is right and orders him not to go to the hotel. And Caesar intentionally disobeys those orders and apologizes to her, apologizes to her and says it's because of his family pride he can't back down. Um, and then Lisa Lisa explains to Joseph after that he struck a chord with something very sensitive and something very important to, to Caesar in his past. And then, as we'll see in the next episode, we go into that anime trope of suddenly mm -hmm. we get a character's backstory partway through the, the story. Hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, or kind of like a uh, Walking Dead trope, too. Oh, yeah, that's true. They did that shit a <laughs> lot in Walking Dead. Yeah. And so that brings us to our final thoughts for part two, episode 10, a race toward the brink. What did you think about this racy episode? <laughs> I don't mean racy. In the, the... <laughs> I was like, wait, what kind of racy? <laughs> Not in that weird way. I think this is probably one of the weaker episodes of JoJo, um, only because it's a weird transitional episode. I feel like it's actually more transitional than some of the episodes that you've commented on in the past being transitional. Mm -hmm. um, I think you mentioned like one of the episodes around Santana was transitional, but to me, this feels more transitional than any of those. Um, and I think it's, it's kind of mushing two things together that don't quite go well together. They should have started the episode at or the next episode at the San Moritz, San Moritz mm -hmm. um, hotel, you know, after the battle with cars and kind of rounded this episode out with, you know, cars and the redstone of Asia and maybe some sort of like after moment where they help Stroheim put his body back together or something. Yeah. Uh, it just felt like a, a, an odd place to, to cut things. Now, to be fair, though, I do think it's nice that they cut things where Caesar's approaching the hotel. Like that, that's a good cut there. Mm -hmm. but it's not the best cut, I would say. Like, for what they did, I guess they landed on a good spot to end this episode. But anyway, it just feels like a, a strange hodgepodge of things happening. Um, you do have that awesome moment from Cars with the ricochet and the crazy laugh and a couple of great memes that came out of this, but I wouldn't say the overall episode was really that great. What about you? Well, first, I'm going to need royalty payments for every time you said transitional <laughs> episode. Um, but <laughs> I also see it as another quote-unquote transitional episode um, with only two real major scenes. Again, the weird chase sequence and then Caesar storming off to the hotel. And I agree, it's, it's weirdly paced, but I think David Production just had to work with what they have or what they had with the, the manga 
And I think it was just more so them trying to put together again that flashback episode and properly pacing um, for the showdown, which I agree. If they had just put in that whole hotel scene in this episode in the next one um, and then kind of lead into the flashback, I think it would have worked better. But this is what we get and we'll just have to work with it. Um, but yeah, as much as this episode is a whole lot of nothing, I d- did get my favorite meme out of part two um, from this episode. So I am grateful for that. What I'm not looking forward to, though, is the next two episodes, because obviously we get the she's a moment. Oh, man. Yeah, I think maybe if anything, this episode is a nice reprieve before we get the uh, the intensity of the next episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny with the ending of this episode, we get this sort of I don't know if you see this in 80s films, but this buddy cop or pop culture trope of this fallout between two friends right before one of them meets a untimely demise. Um, but yeah, the moral of the story here is Caesar should have just listened to Joseph. For once. Yeah. <laughs> for one, <laughs> the yeah, for one once. time he needed to listen to Joseph. Yeah, for once, Joseph has some legit advice and is not just digging around. Mm-hmm. And that wraps up episode 19 of Strictly Jojo. If you enjoyed the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every other Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly Series and on Twitter at Strictly Series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcasts for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of Jojo. Stay weeb, everyone to be continued.